Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a bunny ranch is where you go to find pesky whittle wabbits. Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at what makes a sexless relationship, talking to Madam Bella Cummings about running a legendary brothel in Nevada, and I'll be reading your fabulous stories about the times you got your creepers on and visited a house of negotiable affection. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review or at least subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts and I hope you're ready because I'm about to ring your bell. Hello, hello, hello dearest listener. Okay, quick question. Do you have a sexless relationship? Do you know what counts as a sexless relationship? Do you feel the pressure of wondering if you're having too much sex or too little of it? Well, Matches dating expert Hayley Quinn says that there is no one-size-fits-all for the amount of times people should be having it off with their partner, obviously. But some people consider a relationship sexless if they haven't been intimate with their partner for the past month. But for other people, it can be for the past week. Or for some, it can be when the partner explicitly tells them that they no longer want to have sex with them. So science, yes, science has come into play here. Science says that technically an optimum amount of time to have sex per week uh, is once a week. Yeah, a study, a 2015 study from York University, which had over 30,000 participants, found that people's happiness levels associated with sex plateaued when they did it once a week. And researchers from the University of Toronto have also concurred that having sex once a week is the sweet spot for happiness. Any more than that, and it doesn't really have any more of an impact based on data collected from 25,000 Americans aged 18 to 89. But obviously, please don't feel pressure to do it every seven days. After all, that stress will probably defeat the purpose of doing it in the first place. So if you're worried you're not having enough sex or that your relationship might be verging on sexless, Haley says that to consider it if it's just a dip or maybe you're having a bit of a dry spell. She says if one partner is very stressed, they may be physically withdrawing from the relationship, which can make their partner feel insecure and crave affection for more. So to get out of this cycle and to build the happy, committed relationship you want, you'll need to reach a compromise. That might mean putting your needs on the back burner for a period of time as you recognise that your partner has issues unrelated to you through normal things like work or maybe whether the washing up's been done or the kids or anything like that. So if your partner has become a bit of a closed book on the subject, then you might want to think about giving couples therapy a try. Now, we all know there are loads of reasons why your sex life might be drying up in a long-term relationship, but now 
maybe this might be a good time to open up about it. See what's at the, uh, well, <laughs> the root. <laughs> there is loads of great advice in this article. Head to This Is What Counts As A Sexless Relationship, according to an expert, over at metro.co.uk. But obviously not before my fabulous chat with this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays. Now, we have spoken to sex workers from around the UK and Europe, but what about sex workers from one of the most famous hangouts on the planet? That's right, Nevada. The ranches are a unique and fascinating place, and this week's guest is going to tell me all about them. She's the owner of Nevada's longest-serving brothel and fighting for the destigmatization of its sex workers. It's the owner of Bella's Hacienda's Ranch. It's Madam Bella Cummings herself. Hello, Madam Bella. Oh, hello. I'm thrilled to be here, Mary. I am so excited. We don't, we get many sex workers talking about, you know, their jobs. We get lots of dominatrices, but we've never had a brothel owner. So I'm so excited to hear, well, basically just about the day-to-day runnings. I'm so fascinated. How did you start? Where where did you come from? What is the story of Bella's Hacienda? Well, it's actually a ranch that I purchased, all right? And, there, of course, there was a, an original madam. And typically the madams came out of San Francisco. And then they wow. did the across the tracks in certain locations across Nevada. Because, you know, you have to be on the wrong side of the tracks in order to be in yeah. this business. <laughs> So the you know the the day to day since I have uh, we'll call it come aboard um, <laughs> has been over thirty years and and my entire career has been about I'm going to say becoming a, a good madam becoming a, a woman that sees the empowerment that should be in what I call the sensual services industry mm. and there's there's a lot to it because you know the Many of the ladies are young, and they need uh, a good mentor. Uh, there's keeping the building all uh, structurally sound and everything working. And um, sometimes I liken it a little bit to Disneyland, where they might be sewing the costume on in the back, but when it's out front and, and you know clients, uh, guests are in the building, well, it's the fantasy house. Mm. So that other part of life stays in the back. Yeah, because one of the things that I think people will immediately jump to when they think of brothels and they think of particularly brothels in like Nevada, I think it's had sort of a really bad reputation and representation from when they've had like male owners and it's it's looked a lot more like exploitation. That's why I was really excited to talk to you and hear about your story and how you're fighting for destigmatization and and that you make sure that these women are being looked after as well as, you know, the ranches and everything. So is that kind of underside still there or are you finding women, more females and more women are taking control of the ranches? That's a really good question, Mary. See, the, the, the majority of the houses are male-owned, but they, they have other interests. Let's say they're real estate men or uh, or have construction companies and so they're they're yes they're owners but there's usually women 
that they put in place as managers or they might call them madams. <clears throat> but I believe that uh, the, the term madam is really someone that owns it and, and does like I do. But it is an in-service business and gets to be looked at as what I call sensual services that people get to to understand that there is a responsibility to do it correctly, that, mm. that no one's manipulating anyone. And, and mm. so far, outside of a brothel, they, there hasn't been um, regulations that actually helped independent workers have a real in-service business. Yeah. You know, I can say, oh, it works in Nevada, rural Nevada. It's been, um, they've been since 1971, right? Mm. So over 50 years, we've proven it works. But we're in rural Nevada. We aren't in Vegas or Reno. And typically any state in this country that went for gambling, they couldn't have gambling and, and sensual services or prostitution. So guess what went underground? Mm. The gaming came up, sensual services went underground. And so I, yeah. how, to, how to change that? Because it's there. It's there in Vegas. It's there in Reno. It's everywhere. But how do we do it where there's regulations, where you know everyone's always talking about public safety? Well, perfect. Mm. But how do you do it? When it comes to working in a brothel, that seems to me to be a lot more safer to do in America compared to any other kind of states and the way that they have it. Is that some? Is that one of the reasons why you wanted to go into keeping a brothel so that you were keeping other women safe? Keeping women safe in an industry that's totally misunderstood. Mm. People have great imaginations about what they think happens in a brothel. And I think they might even think it's just wild orgies and people are running around naked and courtesans are are classy ladies they could be <laughs> on the same kind of level as a geisha they're they're women with educations and and they they want to do this for a brief period of time in their lives mm. they don't want a record yeah they don't want to be arrested and i was there before aids before condoms were mandatory. Now I talk to these youngsters that work with me and they go, what? They're, they didn't wear condoms? Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't even compute to them. So in my wanting to help empower women, I was there when, you know, drugs and pimps and I, all these things. And, and now women aren't like that. Mm. Women don't really want to give their money to someone else. And so in that empowerment, well, how do I help them understand um, what to do with the money mm. so that in this very short career, they can actually move on to something else, retool, mm. maybe find a way to help other women. Yeah. And what are some of the big misapprehensions when you, you said that you said earlier how people have a great imagination about what goes on in brothels? What are some of the most ridiculous things that you've heard when you say I'm Madame Bella, I own Madame Bella's Hacienda? Has someone ever just come up with something really ridiculous from their imagination where you're just like, no, 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 it's not like that. They really think that it's really a wild sex 
orgy that's going on in there. <laughs> and, and it isn't. You know, when a, a guest and a courtesan, I'm going to say negotiate for services, it's really like a one-night stand, all right? They don't have to call each other mm. in the morning. And in that particular experience that they have, it's something that changes both of them. They leave something that the other one becomes slightly different, okay? They may not even know it, but that whole thing of what happens behind the door stays behind the door. So no one really knows. But I can tell you that since what I call the pandemic, there's more laughter, mm. there's more conversation. And in a way, yes, there's sex, but there's less than people think. Because as we realize, people aren't really meant to be kept apart. So there's more. You've you've noticed people are doing more things other than just having sex. There, they're enjoying socializing. Yes, and and if you think about why this works so well, usually in our our journey as sexual beings, we get wounded, and for men, it's really uh, I'm going to say maybe even more debilitating for them because if they really get wounded here it affects their mind it, i mean their heart then it goes to their head and where does sex happen in the head it's all in the brain it just comes out somewhere else and so guess what part stops working on men if they're if they need a woman and an understanding woman and a compassionate woman and a woman who has no judgment about whether he's good or bad or right or wrong. They exchange the money and it's whatever happens. I always say it's some kind of a healing. That's that is a that's a lovely way of putting it because <laughs> I used to I just used to say, Oh, I think the men have just got too much blood rushing down to their penis. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you put that a lot more delicately there. <laughs> I wanna talk about guys when they come to a brothel because I think certainly when customers would come and see me again, I'd have that same kind of thing where they've just got this wild imagination of what's coming, of what's going to happen and what's going to go on. So what are some of your, let's start with some of the pet peeves. What are some of the things that you want to say to guys? Look, if you're going to come to a brothel, these are the things you don't do. Well, I believe the first top tip would be to understand the money part of it. All right. Because if they've never, ever been to a brothel, we have parties for what I call guys on the go, which means they might be long haul truck drivers and, and they have this short time frame. And they, if you will, they want to get in and out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't cost as much as the mid range parties that are actually uh, the most popular because a first time client is going to remember their first time period. And I always ask them, do you want to remember a quickie or do you want to remember something more elaborate? Mm. So it's important that you don't come in like on a strict budget because that strict budget is going to get in the way of what you really came there to experience. Mm. And so in, it's like matching their wallet with their fantasy. 
they've got to be flexible. This is, in a way, no matter what age they come to a brothel, they'll remember Bella's. They won't remember her name. They'll come in and just say, well, Bella, do you remember she was tall, she was blonde, and she was black? And I go, oh, boy, I've only had about 500 of those. <laughs> and it's so... <laughs> so it's it's helping them understand that they may never be back. Hopefully they will, but if they never are able to return, if they never pass through that crossroads again, did they have the experience they wanted? Did they learn what they wanted to learn? Did they want to become a better uh, partner? Mm. So those those are the things that I really work to help them understand and then to find out really why they're there. Are they a virgin? What Do they really want the first time to be like something better than just the back seat of a car? So it's like it's it's we're fragile individuals and how do we take and 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 make make people feel comfortable in their own skin and that they're really, you know, here on the on this planet for a reason. What is it what is just like an average working day like? If you're in a brothel, what time what time do you start? <laughs> what time do you arrive? Do you stay there? What is the the average working day like for someone? Um Typically, about 11 in the morning until, let's say, 11 to 1. And then there's some that are a little later risers, and they're really good in those early morning hours of what I call nighttime still. And they may start at 3 and work until 3 or 4. Sometimes they can think it's a little quiet till we realize or count up how many folks have actually come through the door, right? How many clients? And so it's never really quiet. You know, in in these brothels in Nevada, there's between 200 and 400 uh, guests. Mm. And Bella's gets her share. Mm. These ladies get their share. It's, It's good for Nevada. It's good for the towns. But these ladies, you know, they work out and they... And they wind up, you know, uh, there's no lockdown. So if they need to go to the store, then go to the store. It's just we all communicate. So through their day, they work to be ready by a certain time so that they're prepared for any time that doorbell rings. And when it comes to you, and I love the fact that you've written all your experiences down and all your uh, advice and everything in a in a handbook. Where did all that come from? Let's talk about you and your history Bella Cummings, the owner of Bella's Hacienda. How do you become a brothel owner? Uh, Well, because I was young in the 80s, I had married a man who was supposed to be a silent partner in this business, which was called Hacienda. Mm. And he wasn't doing well with this brothel silent partnership. And he needed for me to step up. And, And I had never done very much book work. I'd been, you know, I'd owned restaurants and I was a horse trainer and and I was a manicurist and I was all these things. But I'd never really tackled counting. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. Well, what I learned was what makes a brothel tick financially and, and how, how to know that numbers never lie. You know, it's a great barometer that says you're on the correct path or you need a small course correction. Mm. And so then as time went on and 
eventually my uh, husband did pass away. And so it fell into to my, what I always said was, I had the reins then. Mm. And then, of course, I got to do almost everything wrong. <laughs> until <laughs> Several times before I realized where things were at in history, which would have been, you know, where there was still the the men involved in what we'll call pimps and all of mm. that. And that was a very difficult time because, it, you know, that's like pre-cell phone. Pre-internet, you couldn't advertise anywhere. Pre, there was none of that. Yeah. No, none of that. So everything was like the CB radio, <gasps> you know, Citizens Band radio. that they put. We still use that. No, you don't. You still use CB radio. Yes, we do. Wow. Yes. And you know, Mary, there are more radios going in trucks today than ever before. That is amazing. I did not know that people were still doing that. You could. Do, I didn't even know you could do advertise sex. <laughs> do you have a handle? Do you have a particular well, thing that you say? Well, it's yeah. We're the Sugar Shack. <laughs> but you know, we are offer. What we do is we offer. Friendly conversation with no obligation. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and 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 to come and see it because if people come and see it, it's going to dispel a lot of this derogatory nonsense that they think happens in there. Yeah, absolutely. So you so you inherited a brothel, basically. How did that feel for you, going from being your own? You were a businesswoman in various different departments so what did it feel like for you when you turned around to your friends and you got to say yep uh i'm a madam oh boy i have to tell you you have to earn that title and it, you get a lot oh of, really like, well there's a lot of lumps that come with it, a lot of growth and and uh, it was so interesting because my my late husband it, he still owed a lot of money hmm. okay and and so the deal was he said um okay i need for you to do the book work and you get to pay off all the debt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like in the 80s, it was like $633,000. Wow. But, you know, I, I remember him saying, well, it's just zeros. And I'm like, you got to be kidding mm. me, right? So I, but I just, it's like setting a course. And if you, if you have that burning desire to, to be successful, mm. And to be successful in an industry I never really imagined myself in, then nothing can dissuade you from doing exactly that. Mm. You, I, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, there was like three mortgages on it. Wow. And so it was like just paid one off at a time and just learned as much as I was able at the time about how somehow have enough money coming in to to pay the obligations that I was faced with paying. Mm. And and then sometimes, as we know, we have the you know, downturns in the economy. And and interestingly enough, when when AIDS happened, I mean everybody thought brothels would go away and all of these things would would you know but what really happened was products had to evolve. Mm. Condoms had to evolve. Because back then they really were like raincoats mm. they were rubber mm. and now look at where they're at look at where lube's at i mean it's it's fascinating how te not just technology 
but how the technology of something like that could evolve. Mm. And what's been some of your biggest learning lessons on the way? Oh, wow. I believe my biggest lesson, and it's basically two, it's like a why. It's learning how to truly be non-judgmental and love unconditionally. Because obviously, in all my years of madam, and I'm going to say behind the bar, which meant I was the person they met at the Mm. door, I learned how fragile we are and how easily uh, tarnished or, or in a way kind of broken. And I remember this one time right after the towers fell. This man came in with a big turban and the bar was packed. They, everybody wanted to, the guests wanted to know who was working with Bella. And I looked at the guys, they got ready, and I said, wait, he's just like you. Let's see what he wants. And he turned out, he didn't even speak our language. He went with uh, Savannah, and they didn't speak the same language, but when he went out the door, he had the biggest smile on his face. Mm. And all the guys were still sitting there, and I said, you see? We're really all the same. <laughs> oh, they all found happiness in Savannah. That's that's definitely something <laughs> that I will remember. But you know, I mean, yeah, but it's that's the way that we should look at our 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 humanness. Yeah. Are we doing it correctly, or are we judging? Because if we're judging, we aren't loving someone unconditionally. Mm. And I'm not saying we got to be like you know, kissing them all over. I'm just saying, acknowledging that we're all the same and that there's plenty of us that are maybe denied the sexual experience we're really looking for, right? How are we going to solve that if we can't even talk about how to make it legal and without, and and to have the decriminalization? We never want to have children involved. We're talking about consensual adults. Yeah. And and that's part of this misconception that I, I I'm giving a voice to. Mm. I'm saying course correction. Yeah, I think there's there's so many people within the sex worker rights uh movement that totally like as part of that we all definitely want to make sure that we've got decriminalization. Um when it comes to running the the brothels though, do you think it would ever a lot of people I think ask me whether they technology you were talking earlier about technology has that had an impact on you things like only fans there's so many different toys out there now and things like ai and everything have you noticed any kind of a difference or is a ranch a ranch and people are always going to love it you know technology had a big impact when the internet came to be and and so in that dip what i called it and the OnlyFans, you bet, OnlyFans works for some, but you have to really be good at marketing yourself. All right, and, mm. and certain things like that. The AI thing. Yeah. I did a little media thing that says, you know, no AI at Bella's. All right. And and Bella's or the brothels, mm. say, they never went away because there is nothing that can replace human touch. You know, th- that's yeah. why... I'm going to say escorting came to be. It came to be because there's no brothels in these areas. So they came up with this other idea. Well, we'll just sell time and companionship. Mm. Well, we all know what what the third thing is that could happen, right? 
Yeah, you're paying for an hour, but you're going to get three minutes, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and what about, let's have some final words of wisdom. When it comes to people who want to come to a brothel, they're listening to you, they're thinking, yeah, Bella's is the, the place for me. What are your top three things that you want them to to do before they come to you or for them to remember? What are your top three tips for a young, new brothel wannabe attendee? A new guest. I know. I, you know, I could be really silly, <clears throat> Mary, and say, please take a shower. Yeah, perfect. No, I think that's a great yeah. tip. Absolutely. Please take a shower and and I'm going to say dress like you mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And And come in not confident as much as curious, adventurous, mm. wanting to experience something like a brand new sponge instead of the stinky one laying in the bottom of the sink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that got graphic. Yeah, but I'll go with it. Because, <laughs> you, you know, there's this, there's this freshness associated with being adventurous. And, and a person sometimes loses that as they get to be more of an adult. Mm. And they hold back instead of just being open to a possibility of an encounter with a woman he could never have been with out there this way for this amount of money. Mm. And he's going to absolutely let her take charge. I think that's such a great thing to remember because we get so many people who think, right, if I'm going to see a sex worker or I'm going to go to a brothel, they have such a, a set thing in mind of what they think is going to happen that they don't allow that new experience to happen. Bella, I've loved chatting to you. Where can people find you if they want to find more information? Oh, bellas.us. That's B-E-L-L-A-S dot U-S. And on Twitter... Uh, and we're fairly new again because they bumped us off again. But we're at, at Bella's Hacienda. And you're the Sugar Shack on CBS Radio. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for joining us on Smut Drop. <laughs> Bella Cummings. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. I have once again delved into the fun bags to find out your stories of when you visited brothels. Are you a ranch regular or a sugar shack tourist? Uh, Penny over on Instagram, she says, I work at one. It's not half as glam as everyone thinks. We spend most of our day scrolling on my phone, making tea and listening to podcasts. Hint, hint. <gasps> Penny, do you mean me? <laughs> I'm so glad I can help. <laughs> Anonymous over on email, they say, I visit one regularly. All very discreet, really friendly ladies. We have a nice chat when everyone's in the lounge, waiting for various bookings and bedrooms. It would feel so much safer all round, both for me and the girls that work there, if it was all legal and above board. I know people get worried that they're being used for trafficking, but you can clearly see when it's women working together out of safety. I couldn't agree more, Anonymous. Yes. That is exactly what me and Bella are saying. It would be so much safer if it was all just legal and you didn't have to worry about anything. 
Uh, Darren on Twitter, he says, I went as a dare on my 18th and again on my 21st and my 22nd and my 23rd. <laughs> I'm 43 now and I've lost contact with any kind of mate who would give me that kind of a dare, but I still keep going. Highly recommend. <laughs> whatever excuse you need Darren next week we're going to be chatting menopause how's it going for you hun hmm? tell me what you didn't expect would happen when you were having the change have you got any questions about it tell me all I am that Miranda Kane over on Instagram you can slide into my DMs or find me on Twitter as Miri Kane or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. If you are enjoying this weekly cat call into your face, then please leave me a nice review. And in the meantime, don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you do, then name it after me. Hold up. 